This is the weekly message from Hope Church Malmesbury. We're so glad you can join us. This week's sermon is part of our series, The Promise and the Purpose. We're walking slowly through the Gospel of Luke, verse by verse, promise by promise. Find out more about Hope Church and how to support our ministry at www.thehope.church. I hope this message will help you to see the good purpose that God has for your life and help you to walk in faith and rely on his promises every day. Amen. Well, it's a fun-packed morning today. I think many of you will have already met with the Holy Spirit through that wonderful worship. Great choice of songs and things that were said, actually. Thank you. You'll pick up on that later. Um, So let's just pray the Adventure Club out. And I'm fully aware that I'm holding something they might want some of, but never mind. Um, Okay, they'll have to just cope. Um, (laughs) Life's tough, kids. Um, Okay, so, (laughs) Father God, I pray for the Adventure Club, Lord. As they go out, I pray they do enter a very short adventure this morning with you, Lord God, and that they hear from you and that you have your way amongst them. Amen. And we're going to invite them back in a little while. Off you go. We'll invite them back in a little while um, to join in with the baptismal conversations. But right now, we've come to the part of our service when we look into and learn from the Word of God. And God knows that there's going to be a whole bunch of different people here in this room today and online with different needs and different wants. And yet, God wants to speak to each of us. So a quick tip, and this you can use every time you're in church, wherever you are, whenever you are, a quick tip for listening to a sermon is, in amongst the variety of delights and revelation God might bring through me, Make sure you catch what God is sending out for you. I should come with a warning, shouldn't I? I should have warned someone, shouldn't I? Health and safety is going to have me. I know. Okay. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, have your way in each mind and heart this morning. Your word and your will be our teacher. Awaken my spirit to all you want to draw my attention to today. Make it personal. That's for you, each of you. Amen. Amen. We only want to hear what he wants to tell us, and sometimes he wants to say several things, so we've got to catch it. Okay, you ready? So... Here's the interesting thing. It's baptism day, and I'm not going to be preaching on baptism. Today, we continue our teaching series through the book of Luke. And we've arrived at Luke chapter 23, where we find ourselves in the center of the action around the trial of Jesus. In fact, it's a lot like a TV crime drama series, okay? Full of corruption and brutality. Hands up if you watch TV crime drama series. I certainly do. Good, there's a few of you. <laughs> Some of you don't want to admit it because you're in church. And I put, I put both hands up. And my mum leads the church too. She watches them too. Okay. <laughs> so, this crime drama could be called 
line of duty. It can't be called 24, because it happens in less than 24 hours. It happens over a time period of about six to eight hours. So, like a good crime drama, here's your recap. Previously on Hope's line of duty, Jesus was arrested. He'd been betrayed by a friend. And the arresting officers roughed him up. Luke 22, 63 to 64 from last week. Now the men who were holding Jesus in custody were mocking him as they beat him. They also blindfolded him and kept asking him, prophesy, who is it that struck you? And he was interrogated by the religious council. They said, if you are the Christ, tell us. He did not seem to deny the accusation, so they pressed him again. Are you the son of God then? And he said to them, you say that I am? That was all they needed to charge him with blasphemy. So that brings us to today's episode. I mean passage. Okay. So the Roman government did not allow religious leaders to execute their prisoners which I think seems fair, actually. Um, But anyway, so they sent Jesus to Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor over Judea. And here they present him not as a blasphemer, but as a rebel of Rome. Let's read it. Luke 23, 1 to 16. Then the whole company of them arose and brought him before Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, we found this man misleading our nation and forbidding us to give tribute to Caesar and saying that he himself is Christ, a king. And Pilate asked him, well, are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him, you said so. Then Pilate said to the chief priests and the crowds, I find no guilt in this man. But they were urgent, saying, No, he stirs up the people, teaching throughout all Judea, from Galilee even to this place. You see, Pontius Pilate is well known in the history books for being really cruel. He would just murder someone for no good reason. So they are pressing their accusations, hoping he will send Jesus to his death. I mean, he's done it many times with many people who don't deserve death. But Pilate didn't play along with their game, which I think is very funny. Anyway, (laughs) it's like, yeah, I can see your manipulation. (laughs) When Pilate heard this, he asked whether the man was a Galilean. And when he learned that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, that's Galilee, he sent him over to Herod, who was himself in Jerusalem at that time. So Pilate sent Jesus to a different authority to be judged. He sent him to Herod Antipas, who was a Jewish king. And in case you're wondering, yes, he is the son of Herod the Great, the one who killed all the baby boys at Jesus' birth time. When Herod saw Jesus, verse 8, he was very glad, for he had long desired to see him, because he'd heard about him, and he was hoping to see some sign done by him. So he questioned him at some length, but he made no answer. The chief priests and the scribes stood by vehemently accusing him, and Herod, with his soldiers, treated him with contempt and mocked him. Then, arraying him in splendid clothing, he sent him back to Pilate. And Herod and Pilate became friends with each other that very day, for before this, they had been at enmity with each other. I haven't got time to go into why that is, but there's an interesting story there. 
But here's the thing. When Pilate passed Jesus over to Herod, it showed enough respect to Herod's authority that it healed a giant rift between them and they became friends. Point number one, Jesus brings people together in very unusual ways. Verse 13, Pilate then called together the chief priests and the rulers and the people and said to them, you brought this man as one who was misleading the people. And after examining him before you, behold, I did not find this man guilty of any of your charges against him. Neither did Herod, for he sent him back to us. Look, nothing deserving death has been done by him. I will therefore punish him and release him. Just take that in for a minute. Make no mistake. To punish someone when they are not guilty is actually very cruel. He is living up to his reputation because Roman punishment would have involved a cat of nine tails and flogging him and tearing at his flesh. And many people died just through a good flogging by the Romans. So Pilate was living up to his reputation in giving that order. It was unjust. Anyway, today's episode has ended in a cliffhanger. You see, you don't know it yet unless you see that little bit that says coming up next week, right? Um, Because next week you're going to find out that it's not over for Jesus. But you will have to tune in, I mean come or tune in online next week to find out the shocking twist of what happens next in Hope's line of duty. But right now... I need to circle back to Herod's encounter with Jesus. And I want to tell you before I do, I am so excited. God really brought something amazing out of a scripture you look at. And you've just heard the scripture. And I looked at that and went, what am I supposed to do with that on baptism day? Right? (laughs) And God said this. So here we go. Listen up to what God wants to tell you. Remember the quality street. Here it comes. (laughs) Now, let me remind you that in Jesus' day, no internet... No videos were around to be able to see Jesus, okay? You couldn't watch his preaching online like you now can. But there were rumours of his miracles and they had spread. And certainly Herod Antipas had heard of Jesus and he was curious to meet him. Herod had already shown that he was interested in matters of faith. Maybe some of you are here today, don't have a faith, but have been interested in the spiritual realm. Herod was just like that, actually. This is why he had shown such an interest in John the Baptist previously, until John called him out in his sin. And then he had John killed. You see, here's the problem. In my experience, when we choose sinful desires above God's best for us, we destroy a little piece of our potential. We block up an access point for God to bless or help us. And it might just be one little piece of blockage in the doorway between us and God. But we can continue to build that blockage up if we're not careful. And I think that what Herod did when he killed off John the Baptist, he hardened his heart against God. However, here in this passage, we see that Herod was still interested in meeting this Jesus he'd heard about. Here it says, Luke 23 verse 8, it says, When Herod saw Jesus, he was very glad, for he had long desired to see him, because he had heard about him. And he was hoping to see some sign done by him. 
Herod wanted to see something. Maybe he wanted an actual miracle. Maybe he wanted just an amazement or an amusement to happen before his eyes. Then in verse 9 it says, So he questioned him at some length, but he made no answer. Now that implies that Herod is firing questions at Jesus. Maybe it starts with, can you do this? Can you do that? Would you walk on water? I'll take you outside. Um, What about flying? Can you fly? What can you do? (laughs) Do something. You're not doing anything. Well, answer me then. Answer me. Why are you not doing something right now? Who knows how the series of questions went. All we know is he fired a lot of questions and Jesus made no answer. I wonder what questions you would ask Jesus if you had him in the room right in front of you and you had the opportunity right now. He was standing here. Don't tell me. We'd be here all day. You've probably all got your own questions. Just think about it. What would you ask Jesus? Herod wanted to see a miracle and he was looking for answers. But when he got neither... He joined in with the others and mocked Jesus, then sent him back to Pilate, sent him away. And I saw that Herod's encounter with Jesus is like a metaphor for many people's journey away from faith. I've heard it so many times. I'm paraphrasing here, but it goes something like this. I believe Jesus can hear me, so I'm asking for a miracle. But nothing happens. So I ask questions like, why? Why couldn't you do this one thing for me? Why? Why are you not listening to me? Why? And then I ask the big questions. If you're so big and you're so grand, why? What's happening? Don't you see the trouble that's happening in the Ukraine? Don't you see the trouble that's happening in Gaza? Why are you not stepping in? I want the big questions answered. You're the big God. But I hear nothing. No miracle. No answer. I believe there's not a person in this room that does not experience that in their heart and has not experienced that once before. I believe that every one of us, whether we grew up in church or whether we came to Jesus later or whether we don't know him at all, that hasn't thought a little bit along those lines. I am paraphrasing. But then it goes to this, and I've heard many people go along this line. Well, I don't see or hear any evidence of God for myself, so I'm going to make the leap to unbelief or even contempt. And there are quite a few famous uh, comedians who have gone this route. They were brought up in Christian um, environments and then they've gone to contempt. And all they do in their comedy is break at the Christian faith, is mock the Christian faith. Because if there really was a loving God, he would put me out of my misery. A loving God would do my miracles or at least answer my questions, right? Right? Maybe you do know someone who said this. Maybe they've said exactly that. Or maybe you currently feel this way. And I want to say this. This thought process is understandable because there is real pain and distress at the root of it. And I am not minimising it and I'm not telling you off. I'm calling you out. I'm not telling you off. (laughs) I'm just saying it as I see it and as God showed me it. 
because it's what Herod was doing. And this is why I was so excited when I saw it. I know it. I've thought it. But please notice, and why I was so thrilled with the worship as well, was that Michelle said it. Many of us live with the centre of our lives being ourselves. All of that thinking is led by I, me, my, and my wants. Now, Christians often use the word sin, and you might think it means being naughty, but it's much simpler than that. The centre of the word sin, S-I-N, is I, I. Sin is just raising I, my wants and needs, too high. Now, think about it. Any naughty act that we think of as sin, naughty act, you know, um, I've got a list of them here, just in case I lost it, and now I've lost the place. Naughty act, come at me. Naughty act. Here we are. Robbing, murdering, lying, stealing. I'm sure you can think of some others. Gossiping are all driven by our selfish desires. But when the Bible mentions sin, I want you to know that it includes, it isn't just you doing something naughty for yourself, because everything is always driven by selfish desires to make ourselves feel better in some way. But... Sin is also including all the stuff, bad things that have happened against you. And I want you to know that because when we talk about Jesus dying on the cross for our sin, we're talking about the naughty stuff we've done and the naughty stuff that's been done against us. Can you tell I was a children's worker once? (laughs) Use the word naughty. (laughs) Oh dear. So those things that hurt I, that hurt me, can also be filed under the title of sin. Simply put, sin is just placing my feelings, whether they're justified or selfish, above all else. Herod didn't get what he wanted from Jesus, so he, verse 11, treated him with contempt and mocked him. I've heard many people say that they're not Christian believers based purely on the lack of answers or miracles they've received. The sentence starts, if there was a God, he would do the thing I think he should do. But let me ask you honestly, if there was a God bigger than you can imagine, wouldn't you hope that he has a much higher understanding than you? Wouldn't you hope he has even better than you can imagine? Do you actually think... He should do things the way your tiny, limited mind imagines. Seriously? The thing is, this is serious. Herod's story shows that it's not a very long stretch to go from prioritising or giving in to a sinful desire, which starts to harden your heart to God, followed by not getting what you want from God, through to mocking him and sending him away from your life with contempt. And I believe that this is true from some unbelievers, but it's also true for believers who fall away from the faith. I have known of people who once ministered for God with passion and fervour to lose it all as they're tempted to ignore one tiny sin. They no longer walk with the Lord. This one thing that God says is not best for me, I'll do it just one time. Oh, well, I've done it now. Well, I've already fallen, so I might as well do it one more time. I mean, you know... I'm already a sinner. I'm already messed up. And God's access gets 
to me gets a little bit more blocked up every time, and I hope I'm not taking on too many pictures, but imagine a doorway. Each bit gets thrown in the doorway in between you and Jesus so that each time you're blocking access. And you're wondering why you're not hearing so well from God. It's because there's stuff piling up between you and God. And in fact, God showed me a picture of a paper being burned. It starts out clean, but then a flame touches the corner. Then the black charring spreads, quickly followed by the flame, and in a moment, the paper is completely gone. Don't play with fire, folks. Stop now, it's not too late. You see, the the brilliant thing is, it's this story, this story of Jesus, his trial, his death and his resurrection that rescues you from all those self-destructive life choices. Whether you need rescuing again, I did it again, sorry God, or whether you need rescuing for the first time, Jesus' death and resurrection are the answer and the miracle you really need. Because in that one miracle, he healed every burnt up piece of you and he made you whole again. So another common Christian word you might hear is repent. Sin is living for I, for me, for myself. Repent just means turn around. Go in another direction. Live life God's way, not my way. Excuse me as I finish here with a social media-inspired explanation. I just say it as God gives it to me, and this is how it came. You may have unfriended God or blocked him access to your life feed. But you know, that can be easily undone. It just requires a change of mind and a few clicks. Think about it. If you're not connected on social media with someone, you will not see their feed. It's the reason you blocked them in the first place. I'm so fed up of seeing this rubbish. You blocked them. So why do you expect to see God's feed in your life when you unfriended him or blocked him? The people being baptised today have made the choice to change their status. They've not only restored access to God in their daily feed by sending him a friend request, but today they're publicly changing their life status to in a relationship with Jesus. (laughs) And that's what baptism is all about. The person goes under the water one way and comes back up another way, like a big repent. They're new, they're facing a different direction. They're not, they're not turned in the water, don't worry. Um, It's like a symbolic washing off of all sin. That's what they have done and what has been done to them. It's symbolic. And they come up out of the water, clean and new, refreshed, ready to start again, a new life, a fresh start with Jesus. I want to say right now actually I don't know if I'm going to cut if I'm going to have any other prophecies or words of prophecy when I when we come to the baptismal candidates but I want to say right now that this is true for every single one of you leave it behind when you're in there you're only in there for a second think about it now what am I leaving behind because you can leave it behind you can leave that mental health issue you can leave that fear you can leave that um, lack of, of confidence self-confidence you know God doesn't want you to be we think about humble and we think that means shy and hiding that is not what it means leave it behind leave behind what God has told you to leave behind as you go in as you confess your faith as you go down leave it behind and come back up free of it. 
you can leave it behind. And you know the great news is nobody's too bad or broken or burnt up to be restored by Jesus. Do you know even Herod, son of a baby killer, and John the Baptist murderer could have repented. He could have changed direction. In that room, he had opportunity. Isn't that exciting? He had opportunity to change, to ask forgiveness, to see Jesus for who he is rather than what he could do to amaze him. And in this room today, you also have the opportunity, all of us do, to repent, to make a change, to go in a different direction, to include God in our life feed again, to make him centre of our life rather than ourselves. So if you want to reconnect and friend Jesus, it's as simple as three quick clicks. Number one, repent, change direction. Number two, let go of sin. That means decide to stop making choices based on I, me and myself. And number three, invite Jesus to be your friend. Send him a friend request. And this is done as a simple prayer from your heart, reaching out to him. And do you know what? Jesus isn't like some of your other friends. He always accepts friend requests. (laughs) In a moment, I'll help you make that friend request to Jesus as I close. And there will be a prayer on screen. You can pop it up now if you like. um, And it's for us to speak aloud together. But I really want to implore you not to speak it aloud if it's not true for you. Don't speak it to be polite. Don't think about the people around you. Get good at just ignoring the people around you. Because actually, I think this is serious and we shouldn't be saying stuff that we don't believe. So we're not the sort of church where you just say stuff. Say stuff you believe. And that is powerful. So pray this aloud with me if it's true for you. And I would say it's true for anyone who wants to start a relationship with Jesus and for all those who are already in relationship with him. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word spoken to my heart today. I caught your message for me and I want to respond. Jesus, thank you for your death and resurrection the only miracle I need to restore me. I am sorry for when I've raised myself, my wants, needs, hurts and disappointments higher than you. I know you care for me. You know the best ways for my life. Today I repent. I turn away from sin-led choices and I choose to live for and with you as my friend and saviour, Jesus Christ. Be Lord of my life. I submit everything to you and choose your best ways for me. Holy Spirit of God, come fill me and empower me daily to live and grow in my understanding and ability to live out these truths. Amen.